Hey there, church family. It's good to be with you again. Yeah, Pastor Dan is right. Soon we will be gathering together again. I'm excited because I'm able to speak into your homes, into your vehicles, into your trucks. Some of our truck drivers are uh, listening in, and so many wonderful people are uh, grabbing a hold of the truths that we are teaching. I want to just proclaim a blessing over you and just say in Jesus' name that God is doing something very unique. We are in what we call the second shutdown. And in the second shutdown, what I have recognized is an onslaught of the enemy, wanting to bring depression, wanting to bring heartache, frustration, impatience, offense into your homes, into your lives. May I encourage you that everything that is going on has not surprised God. We have learned who he is. God is what? We've learned how powerful our God is, that he knows everything. Let me express to you, uh, even before I dive into the word of God, that our God is our hiding place. And it is a safe place when you go there. When you stay in the presence of the Lord and allow yourself and avail yourself to learn and to grow. We find this in the second shutdown, how difficult for some of us it's been. But it's not too big for God. What I would say to you is physically take a deep breath. Breathe in, breathe out, and then begin to proclaim that this is the year of the harvest. We've experienced that at the beginning of the year. We saw the prosperity of the Lord. We saw how God was moving and people were being honored and blessed. God was being honored by us as a church. We were seeing worship explode. We were seeing the word just present itself into our lives and everything that we have done. But let me just say this to you. The enemy is on his last straw. The enemy is doing things right now because he knows his end of this season is just about over. And the church is rising up and victory is manifesting itself because why? Because we already have victory in Christ. We found in Psalm 46, verse 1, that God is our refuge and strength, that he is a very present help in trouble. We began the series by reading that scripture and exchanging the word refuge, not replacing but exchanging to a hiding place. It's a high tower. It's a place where God's presence is and his peace overflows. We learned that God is our hiding place, that we receive strength only from him. We also learn we go to the hiding place first. The hiding place is our first resort, not our last resort. We also learned we were created to have a hiding place. We need the presence of God. 
and we have a hiding place because God is He. He is God. Last week, we read about the cities of refuge or the hiding places. Remember the meaning, if you mess up or accused, you can go to God. And remember the two rules we gave you. The first rule is the hiding place is for the righteous. So we learned that having a hiding place and going to a hiding place is not in reality where you go in fear because of something going on in your life. It's a hiding place for the righteous. You go there because you know God is there. You go there because you know this is this is where you want to be. This is who you want to be with. Because when you're going to receive strength, you go to God. That relationship, the personal relationship with Him. The second rule is the hiding place is not for the rebellious. Well, all of us have been rebellious. <laughs> So what do we do? Not only we are to be righteous or born again, but we also are to act in that righteousness. We said to do the right thing. But if you don't do the right thing, confess it and run to God, run to that hiding place. Remember, admit it, and quit it. I'll say it again. Admit it and quit it. Don't allow the lies of the enemy to come to you and say, you know what? You just don't get it. You can't handle this. You're not good enough. All that. No. You are a child of God. When you walk in his righteousness, you have everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have victory in every area of your life. See, this action gives you forgiveness, and then what you do is you do a 180. You quit that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Hear what I'm saying. You quit the lifestyle. So many people mess with this. Well, you know, it's really hard. You know what's really hard? Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he shed his blood, and he died for us. That was really hard. Today, we want to really explain to you this hiding place is a safe place. My question for today is since those cities do not exist, remember the cities of refuge anymore, how do you get to the hiding place? How do you get to that place where the enemy cannot steal, kill, and destroy? Well, there are three places that are a refuge or a hiding place in our life today. In these places, they are a place we can hide or enjoy God's presence. So let me give you the first one. The first one is staying under God's authority is your hiding place. So just say that to yourself in your home or to the person sitting next to you. Staying under God's authority is your hiding place. Numbers 35, remember this? So the congregation shall deliver the manslayer, verse 25, from the hand of the avenger of blood. And the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge where he had fled, and he shall remain there until the death of the high priest. Remember that. 
because I want to talk a little bit more about that. Who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer at any time goes outside the limits of the city of refuge where he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the limits of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. See, that's what I'm saying. Stay under God's authority. When God said, you're going to stay in that city until the high priest dies, what God was saying is that you are staying under the canopy of my protection. Because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of his possession. So the question then is, who is the high priest of today? The answer is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Remember we've been talking about proclamations? We need to hold fast what God has said. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus Christ died so we could be released from our sentence. We're discussing right now how to live under God's authority so it becomes a safe place for us. The six cities of refuge were owned by the Levites. We'll explain that in a moment. And the Levites couldn't own any land. They were owned by the Levites, but the Levites couldn't own any land. It's kind of an oxymoron. But they were Levitical cities and the priests lived in them. They were divided up to all the tribes. What I'm saying to you is they lived there. They owned it. In other words, they proclaimed the gospel. They proclaimed the truth in those cities. And while you are in the hiding place, what you do is you confess the word of God and it begins to clean the, the thought process that are out of line. It begins to get you out of rebellion and under the authority of God. God owned the cities of refuge, the hiding place. So listen closely. <clears throat> you are safe when God is the mayor. <laughs> it is the same today. When or where God is in authority, you are safe. When you understand in every area of your life, every decision, what you do, going to work, when you stay under God's authority, you are in a safe place. What does that mean? Well, let's go on. Let's, let's begin to just uh, unfurl this so that we can understand really what God is really trying to show us in the Old Testament. If I go outside the city, speaking of lifestyle, and say, I don't want you to rule me anymore. God, I am tired of what's going on in my life, and I'm just going to do my own thing. 
I want to make my own decision. Here's what Scripture is trying to teach us. Guess who is waiting right outside your door? An avenger. And a revenger we shared about last week. Satan is waiting outside to take revenge on us if we leave the hiding place, if we leave the city, if we step out from under the canopy of God's authority. Remember the manslayer who is in the city goes outside the city limits The avenger goes after you. Now, you have to stay inside the city unless the high priest died. (laughs) Can you just imagine the thought processes of these people in the city of refuge, in the hiding place? Can you imagine the conversation in the cities? Hey, did you hear the high priest was sick? Oh, really? And there's, wow, is he sick? Maybe he's going to die so you can be (laughs) released. Hmm. They could leave if he died because they were freed from their action or sin. Church family, Jesus Christ, the high priest, died, and we've been released from that sin. Some of you are carrying your past with you. Some of you are living your life and you're never able to attain something that you've desired because you're still carrying your past with you. Your past has been removed through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a done deal. But in your emotions, in your thinking, may I say in a loving way, your wrong thinking, you still think that you're being punished for your past. But see... We're released from our sin, but that doesn't cause us to be able to do whatever we want to do. We still need to live under the authority and rule of God to be protected. I always talk to Terry and I always say, honey, isn't it amazing how a lot of times when you you hear about accidents or people dying, it's always between... 12 midnight, 11 o'clock, 12 midnight, and 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Why is that in a lot of cases? See, if we go outside those boundaries, Scripture says it's our fault. We came out from under God's protection. James 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, but he gives more grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, a lot of times people say, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will flee. No. It says, first, submit to God. Come under his authority. Because your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is against spiritual spiritual wickedness. Before you can resist the devil, you must come under God's authority. How do you come under God's authority? You submit to God. The way to have authority is to live under God's authority. So always remember, the enemy of submission is pride. 
And the friend of submission is humility. The enemy of submission is pride, and the friend of submission is humility. Let me give you a definition of pride. Pride says, I don't need God. Humility says, I have to submit to God. See, are you seeing the conclusion of this? You should never, ever want to be anywhere else other than the hiding place. John 10.10 says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I'm not going to go deep in this, but the word life actually shows us absolute spiritual joy and fulfillment. That's the hiding place. When you begin to connect with that and begin in every area of your life, choose to submit and come under the authority of God, you're going to see huge results in your life. Miracles will take place. This harvest we're talking about that's been prophetically spoken to you through the prophecy that's on the webpage this past week. See, sometimes you may feel God is resisting you. Let me just say this to you. Sometimes God does resist you when we're in rebellion and pride. Now, why does he resist you? Because he's trying to get you back into the hiding place. Scripture also says, a thousand may fall at my right side and 10,000 at the other. But come under God's authority because it's really a safe place. Here's the second. Prayer is a safe place. When you're in that hiding place, prayer is vital. Prayer is important. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place, there's another word there, secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, shall submit and come under His authority. See, he who dwells in the secret place, where is that? Matthew 6 says this, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as a heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. You are rewarded in prayer. Jesus is not moved, this says this, is not moved by many words or vain words. He is moved by what comes out of his mouth, by us repeating what God said, us believing what he said. Your prayer is going to God, understanding he is your source, he is your strength, and when you pray, then you begin to proclaim his words back to him. And what happens is it moves the hand of God because God's hand wants to always do what he's already proclaimed or do his word. Look at verse 8. It says again, Therefore, do not be like them, 
for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Some people think verse 8 says God already knows, so don't ask. Well, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you, sh- you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. This speaks of salvation. This speaks of, of the, the depth of those things. But what it speaks to me is this. Our God is more willing to give. God is more willing to listen than he is to talk. And when you pray, you transfer the burden to God when you proclaim his word. When you go into the hiding place worried, you leave with peace. When you go in the hiding place with a burden, you leave with joy. You go in heavy, you leave light. Why? Because in prayer, you lay it all before Him. You lay everything that's in your life before Him, but how you lay it down is you proclaim His promises back to Him. Now follow me. Listen very, very closely. If you went into your prayer closet and entered the hiding place, you then came out still with the burden. You didn't pray. Love your pastor. You griped. Prayer is laying it down and leaving it at Jesus' feet. How do you leave it at Jesus' feet? Just take it. I'm tired of this. Just take it. No, no, no. You leave it at his feet by replacing in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, the word of God. By proclaiming the word of God. That's how you lay it at his feet. You say, God, you said this, and so I lay this before you. It's yours, it's not mine, because I receive your promise. So here's a question Have you ever heard anyone say, Well, I prayed, and it didn't work? When people say prayer didn't work, this is what they are saying. This is a little Gary coming out, but that's okay. They say, I got myself in a mess. God, I need you to fix this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. By the way, God, and I need it done by Friday. Why this doesn't work, that's telling God and not asking. The only prayer God answers is this prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. See, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them. He said, you pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, excuse me, in his greatest hour of need, he poured his heart out. And Jesus wasn't phony at all. Jesus said, Father, please take this from me. And if there's any other way to redeem sinful man to you, do it that way. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
So here's how your prayer needs to be. Father, heal my marriage. And if you want me to serve her, I'll serve her to the ends of the earth. If you want me to forgive her, I will forgive everything, not some things. I'll even wash her feet. Father, I will do it. Not my will, but your will be done. Here's another prayer. Father God, I'm having problems with my finances. Father, you tell me where to work. I no longer am standing here telling you what kind of job I want. I want you to give me the job you want me to have. And it doesn't matter if I like it or not. I'll do what you tell me to do at that job. I'll work the hours. Whatever you want me to do, not my will, but yours be done. Folks, are you following me? Are you following the the drift I'm trying to, to bring you into? That's prayer. Prayer is trusting God. See, deep down, we don't want his will. Our plans are better than God's. We know better. See, God will bless you more than you will ever be able to bless yourself. I am so amazed how, how some people can, that, that God says to tithe. Some people can grab that 10% and hold it in their hand like it's a billion dollars. God is more of a giver than we are. God is more generous than you. See, some of us can't let go. We need to control it. And I'm saying, let it go. See, God even wants you to have fun. I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I love to joke around. I love to kid. When I played a bunch of sports when I was young, I loved to mess around and have fun. All the different things. Have fun with my kids, whatever it was. God wants you to have fun. See, being a Christian, being someone in the hiding place is not someone that's just so spiritual and stiff. No. Oh, man, it's real life. <clears throat> a lot of people don't believe that God loves them. That God just wants to keep us down. And we call that spiritual. So we don't pray, not, not my will, but yours be done. So our prayers, hear me, do not get answered. Prayer is a safe place. When you do it God's way and you submit to God's authority and you get yourself into that line of that hiding place and you are there because you are hidden with Christ, you don't have to go run around and try to look good and try to be all this spiritual stuff. You can be real and be spiritual. Prayer is a safe place because what prayer does, it lays it before the Lord. And it tests you to say, not my will, but yours be done. Here's the third and the last thing. God's word 
is a safe place. Matthew 7 says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Let me just give you an illustration of of this passage of Scripture. Both of these people hear the Word of God. They both are in the same boat. There are two houses, one on the rock, one on the sand. But you know, the sand is a lot more comfortable to sit on, to lay on, than a rock is. God's Word in many instances, is uncomfortable. Because let me just tell you what I learned a long time ago. If it's between my decision, my thinking, my thoughts, and God's thoughts and thinking, he's right 100% of the time. And that never changes. The word says to pray for your enemies and those who spitefully use you. Today's day, they want you to be offended with everything. A lot of people say, God, I don't want to do that. God says, doesn't matter if you want to or not. Do it. Just do it. And I'm not, I'm not making an advertisement of Nike either. God's word is uncomfortable. You do the right thing even though they don't. If it's your whole family, you do the right thing. Everybody at work, they're all upset and they're mad. Everybody at school, they're all upset and mad. You do the right thing. What's doing the right thing? You come under the authority of the Lord. You begin to walk in that submission. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The second reason why people build on the sand is sand is conformable. It will change with you and your situation. But all it takes is one wave to knock it down. I don't want to conform with the world. I want to be a blessing to the world. I want to have fun in this world. I want to be a friend to people. I want to love people in this world. But I need to learn to build on the rock. See, when you build on the rock, you have to conform to the rock because the rock's not going to move. But when the wave comes, it will stand. A marriage built on the rock will stand. Finances built on the rock will stand. Relationships will stand. If it's built on sand, it will fall. So when you go to the hiding place, bring the Word of God with you. Bring it with you. When you go to work, bring it with you. And many times you can't have the Bible in your hand. Bring it with you in your heart. 
In Psalm 77, David said, I cried out to God all night long. Listen to what it says. This really breaks my heart, but it really encourages me. David said, I cried out to God all night long and then complained to my soul that I was not comforted. How long, God, shall I do this? But the problem is we don't read it properly. We don't see that David was answering his own question. Because he said, I complained. David didn't pray all night long. David was complaining. And David rightfully was, was feeling what he was feeling. But remember, your emotions are given to you to draw you to God, not away from God. Not to be mad at God where, where you don't want to be around him. And I'm not going to church or I'm not doing this. Everyone's a fake. Well, yeah, there's a lot of fake people in this world. But I'm not talking to those lot of people. I'm talking to you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your home. I'm talking about your business. He complained. Later in Psalms, he began to remember who God was. And it was turned around in Psalm 77. David said, the reason this took place was I had forgotten all the wonderful things you have done for me. I will quit complaining and I will begin to praise you. That's what David did. What an amazing man that he was. See, this will keep you in the blessing of the hiding place. It is a safe place, but you go there in faith with real understanding of who God is and who you are. May God bless you. Be steadfast. Be faithful. Read that prophetic word again. Because God is speaking, and the harvest will come the end of this year. You will see greater things continue to proclaim God's will. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Gary. If you've been listening to this message and you cannot say that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to receive him today. You know, Jesus said in John 16, he said, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So those of us who know the Lord, we have God's favor in our life. In fact, there's a psalm is one of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 512. It says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. And those of us who have been born again, we are, the Bible calls us the righteous. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Listen to this. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. So the born again Christian, those who are what we call saved, who know the Lord, who are, who have become God's children, we are encompassed about with God's favor in this world. Yes, the Bible tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust. Just because you're born again, just because you're saved, does not mean that you're free from trouble in this world. We still will go through problems in this world. However, 
We've got the favor of God with us. We've got the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. In fact, it talks about the Holy Spirit, and it says that he will lead you and he will guide you into all truth. Bible even says that the steps of a good man, of a born-again man, as God's children, the steps of that man are ordered of the Lord, and he directs his way, he directs his path. So I'll tell you, I was just thinking as I was listening to Pastor Gary preach, uh, I would not trade this life of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ for anything. I can't even imagine my, my life the way it used to be, a life where I'm calling the shots on my own, trying to do my best, trying to make my way through life. Uh, I've experienced the Lord in his goodness. Every day I experience his favor, his leading, his guiding. You know, you've probably heard this before. Uh, People will try to demean Christians and say, oh, you Christians that uh, talk about knowing Jesus. Well, Jesus is just a crutch. And I want to say to those people, hey, you got it. That's exactly what it is. They think they're demeaning us and putting us down. However, what is a crutch? A crutch is something that you lean on. And that's exactly what we do as children of God is when you learn to lean on him and you learn to expect his direction through this life, uh, you'll have it, you'll receive it, and you'll walk in it. And let me tell you, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything. He knows what's up ahead. And so when I lean on him, when we lean on the Lord, we actually partake and we experience his favor in this life. Like I said, it doesn't mean that we won't go through problems, but when we enter into problems, we've got an anchor and we've got the Lord to direct us and lead us through that situation. And one hope that I have when I enter into a situation like that, a trouble or a trial, I know I'm coming out on the other side and I'm going to come out better than I did when I went into it. So if you're listening to that and you're saying, you know, I need that hiding place, I want that refuge that Pastor Gary was talking about. I need some direction in my life. I've made a mess of my life. I'm tired of fighting every day. I'm tired of trying, struggling, trying to keep my head above water. Well, friend, you're a perfect candidate for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to just lead you through a very simple prayer. It's so easy to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done all the work for us. He went to the cross. He bore our sin in his body. He paid the price for our rebellion in this life. In fact, all we have to do is just receive the Lord as our Savior and as our Lord and allow him to begin to direct our life. In fact... Uh, I was thinking about, as Pastor was finishing up the message there, the word Lord, you know, it tells us in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you will believe in your heart that uh, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so that word Lord is actually the word for master, for owner. It's the word kurios in the Greek language. And so when you are confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord, you're actually saying, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to take over my life, to lead me, to guide me throughout this life and make my life what you have planned for it. I want to tell you something. Every person on this earth has been given a purpose 
and was created for a specific plan and purpose. Not everybody will come into the knowledge of that, but you have been created for a specific plan, and only he can tell you what that is, and I can guarantee you when you submit your life to him, he will begin to develop that within you. There's characteristics, there's giftings within you that are ready for that purpose. Let's pray, shall we? Just repeat after me. Jesus, come into my heart. I turn my life over to you. I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you are the Savior. I believe that you went to the cross in my place, that you paid the price for my rebellion, for my sin. And I thank you for forgiving me. And I ask you to become my Savior and to become my Lord. Father, I thank you for your great gift of life that you've given to me. And I thank you, Lord, for making my life new. Jesus, I ask you today to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Cause your Spirit to overflow in my life. Bring forth this heavenly language that is spoken of in the book of Acts so that I can commune with you in, an, in a fresh new way. Father, I give you praise for this gift of life, and I thank you for bringing it forth. Jesus, I thank you, and I receive you today. Father, I praise you and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want to welcome you into the family of God, and I can guarantee you that There are angels today that are celebrating in heaven. They are worshiping God and thanking him because you have given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have become a child of God today. If you you receive the Lord today, if you'll just let us know on the screen on the right-hand side of the uh, picture there, there's a little place where you can just type in and just let us know. Say, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. I've become born again, again just so we can celebrate with you and, and worship the Lord and just welcome you into the family. Uh, to our church family today, we thank you for joining us. I would encourage you to go over the notes throughout the week prayerfully and just let the Holy Spirit begin to uh, expand upon what pastor has been bringing forth. Enter into that secret place. Spend time in the Lord's presence and allow him to begin to speak to you in a fresh new way. Uh, From all of us here on staff at Valley Community Church, we want to wish you uh, just have a great week growing in the Lord, experiencing him, and we look forward to being with you next week. Stay safe. Walk in the wisdom of God. God bless you.